Hello and welcome to the second week of the Mouse Madness Discussions. I'm your host, Nicholas Heaney, a.k.a. Irish Husky, and I'm once again joined by my friend Wesley Hunt. Say hello, Wesley. Hi. All right, so if you've seen the first podcast, you understand how all of this works. So let's just jump right into it. Right. Uh, we've got a pretty interesting set of matchups this week. A uh, little bit less obvious than the week before, just due to how things ended up. So, I don't think there'll be as many unanimous contests this time. Yeah. Well, I, I already know the outcomes. I don't know if you know the outcomes. I don't. All right, then it'll be a wonderful surprise. So, um, just as a recap, uh, this week's matchups are... Uh, the first matchup was Wreck-It Ralph versus Melody Time. Uh, we also had The Little Mermaid versus Saludos Amigos. We had Mulan versus The Rescuers Down Under. And we had Snow White and the Seven Dwarves versus Nothing. It was one of the six buy films. Yay for automatic qualifiers! Yeah. Uh, j just a bit of a heads up, we won't be getting to a non-bye week until uh, week six. That's just yeah. the way things kind of worked out. So instead of six films that week, we'll be talking about eight. More the merrier. Absolutely. Alright, so uh, let's start with the first matchup, Wreck-It Ralph versus Melody Time. So uh, we'll begin with Wreck-It Ralph. Um, this, the first time I saw this actually was, uh, a few years back, uh, during the summer when my family would rent out, uh, DVDs, uh, every week. Uh, I decided on Wreck-It Ralph because I'd heard of its, uh, pretty strong reputation, heard mostly good things about it. Um, I'd also, uh, been spoiled about the twist ending. I'm the kind of person who doesn't mind spoilers. Uh... But it also led to one of my most shameful moments when I accidentally spoiled the twist to my brothers before it happened. Studies show people are more interested and enjoy things more if they're spoiled. Hmm. I tend I tend to find that to be true. Because if, if I'm if I'm spoiled on something that I don't think I'm gonna like, I just won't watch it. Yeah, well, I watched this movie when it was new, when it just came out on DVD, and I actually watched this unspoiled, so yeah. it was pretty nice watching it for me, but I also really liked the nostalgic video game callbacks and how Ralph's arc was kind of funny if you interpret it a certain way. It could be from bad guy to good guy, but a lot of people have read it as an allegory for actors being typecast. Really? Yeah, so if you want to play against your type, this is a good way you can do it. And many have considered this to be the beginning of the modern Disney era because it introduced the CGI concept and it gave us our first twist villain. But of the twist villains that we discussed last week and will discuss in the future, I think this one did it the best. Because King Candy's already the villain, the twist is just his identity. Exactly. And, you know, going, in, going into this, uh, knowing what the twist was, uh, his motivations for what he does, uh, they do make a lot of sense in hindsight. Uh, I think the foreshadowing was uh, 
pretty strong. You don't bring up someone like Turbo at the beginning and not not bring him back later. Chekhov's gun. Absolutely. Chekhov once said, if you have a gun on the wall in Act 1, it's going to go off in Act 2 or 3. Yeah, I believe he did. So, um, and also, I really did like how it had the nostalgic video game vibe, how they were able to have so many genres represented and make the world feel immersive. This is something that takes the CGI and uses it to its full potential to make it feel more immersive. Yeah, um, if I do have a criticism of this movie, though, um, I'm not really a big fan of, I guess, how Ralph's arc uh, get started, like wanting to get the medal. Quite frankly, uh, the people in Ralph's world, aside from Ralph and aside from Felix, like they know how the game is coded. They understand that Ralph is a villain because the game demands it. But I don't know. I, it feels like the movie was like too stacked against Ralph just making those people particularly Gene just the biggest assholes you can make them like Gene right. especially I, I hated that guy like it is his fault for you know putting this idea into Ralph's head uh, making him do making him go into uh, hero's duty which let's face it that was incredibly reckless right um I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit more lenient uh, towards the way Vanellope's treated, because you know it is established that everyone's memory of her is uh, compromised once she's turned into a glitch. Yeah, because they changed the programming. Right. And uh, I think just the general vibe of that game, you know, it makes the stereotypical bullies uh, a little bit more justifiable. And you know, it's not really about them. It's about Ralph and Vanellope's connection. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this like, the scene where Ralph has to destroy Vanellope's cart, like I knew it was coming, I knew it was gonna happen. It still gets me. It gets yeah. me every single time. Like it does. Like even and... like even more so than the later emotional climax where he's reciting the bad guy pledge. I'll be honest though, that scene was kind of ruined for me because uh, the first time I saw it was in. Uh, was in a meme video called Shrek It Ralph. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, basically, it ends with uh, Ralph in Shrek's body uh, slamming into the volcano and then all-star blasts. Uh, in the I'm gonna Shrek it! <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but for all the world-building and all the character stuff, oh, you just wait till we get to Ralph Breaks the Internet. I have a lot to say about that one in regards to the first one. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to that, hopefully for the right reasons. But uh, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Ralph's the bad guy. Duh. <laughs> I was just going to say that, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, generally positive thoughts on Wreck-It Ralph, but how does it stack up against Melody Time? Oh, Mel this might surprise you, but I voted for Melody Time for this one. Uh, this, might it this might surprise you. So did I. Yeah, 
But you see, Melody Time is just loads of fun. It's probably one of the best structured package films. You probably haven't gotten to make my music yet because it's not the draw there, but this is sort of like an improved, more polished version of that in that each one has sort of a story, there's some linear cohesion, and all the songs are pretty good. They match with the biggest people of the 40s, and they each one is pretty nice. I suppose if I had one immediate complaint, and it's kind of a nitpick, I would have switched Johnny Appleseed with Pecos Bill. Like if the only the be- finish, you mean? Yeah, Johnny Appleseed, just that final shot just works better as the finale, and it leaves you smiling at the yeah, end. I agree. Um, I'd actually seen uh, the Johnny Appleseed segment on its own in, like, uh, the fourth grade. As I remember, it got to this part, it got to Johnny's song, and it's like, oh my god, I actually remember this. Yeah. uh, Speaking of uh, Make My Music, uh, Mike was actually telling me that uh, this wasn't on Disney+, Plus, so I was going to have to either bootleg it or find some other way to watch it. Uh, he did tell me that that was basically a worse version of Fantasia. And I remember on his uh, Twitter thread, he called Melody Time an improved version of Make My Music. I agree. And of all the films that he's marathoned so far, Melody Time is his favorite one. Yeah. Um, and maybe Great Mouse rivals, Detective. I thought, it, I thought it was rivaling uh, Fox and the Hound. Yeah, and Great Mouse Detective also scored identically 8.5. Wow. But yeah, it's pretty interesting to see how this movie was able to hold up. I know. I was thinking about it earlier today, how I wanted to describe it in a nutshell. I think I'd describe it as like a a more mainstream-friendly version of Fantasia. Right. Fantasia is definitely more on the artsy side. And whatever, whatever you think of Fantasia, um, Melody Time feels like, you know, it could appeal to uh, wider audiences who aren't so quite into classical music and, you know, animation as an art form and care more about it as a storytelling form. Right, yeah, it's, it's like going to a concert versus going to a symphony. Right. Um... I think uh, my favorite segment of these was the uh, Flight of the Bumblebee segment. Oh, yeah, that one. The jazz rearrangement. It's just so trippy and off the wall. Exactly. I mean, and it's a fantastic arrangement, too. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, uh, I think I have to favor this one over over Wreck-It Ralph just because... Don't know if it'll win, but I'm just going with it on the limb. I voted for it, too. All right. All right, so uh, let's get to the voting for this bracket. Drum roll, please. Okay. Wreck-It Ralph got 12 votes. Melody Time got two votes. That's us. Yay. Hooray. Yay. We're the minorities. Yeah. Bit disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. I think it's just because... I think most people who've seen, who voted, like, Wreck-It Ralph is more modern. It's probably fresher in their mind. It has all those video game references, and I'm not even sure how many people have even seen Melody Time. 
Right. I think recency bias is going to play a role in these matchups as we go on down the line. True. Yeah, we have the higher seeds that are older, like Fantasia and Bambi, but the reason I didn't project them in my Final Four is because, again, recency bias. Yeah, I mean... So I think a more recent film like Zootopia would try to pull in an upset there. Yeah. Although... Uh, we'll see what happens when we get to uh, the later rounds. Uh, so so far, uh, in all of these brackets, the only quote-unquote upset has been uh, Emperor's New Groove beating out Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And even then, it was a 9 seed being an 8 seed. Which happens statistically more often than not even in the real March Madness. I actually did not know that. That's actually pretty fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so, second matchup. The three seed, Little Mermaid. Fourteen seed, Saludos Amigos. Right. Now, I actually had to rewatch Saludos Amigos for this one because the only other time I watched it was in high school Spanish class. Makes sense. So I could only make out every third or fourth word with the narration. Yeah. So I rewatched it in, in Disney Plus, and it was in English, and I understood it better. <laughs> Yeah. It's mostly just a travelogue. It's like, we went to these countries, this is what we saw. It's the shortest film in the canon by a wide margin. Exactly. It's, a, it's 42 minutes long, which is exactly three times shorter than Disney's longest project, which was Fantasia. Yeah. And these movies came out, like, I don't know, three years apart? Three years apart. Dumbo is the shortest non-package film, and that even makes it over the hour mark. Yeah, but just barely, though. Yep. But Saludos Amigos, roughly translated, means greetings, friends. Yeah. Uh, and There's not a, not a whole lot for me to say about Saludos Amigos. I mean, there's nothing really bad about it, but there's nothing that really stands out. This was the, nope. I believe this was the first package film. Yeah, it was the first. And technically the first uh, Disney movie to get a sequel, uh, The Three yeah. Caballeros. Yeah, this movie introduces Jose Carioca, who became just as popular as Mickey and Donald in Spanish-speaking countries, or Latin America, rather, because he's Brazilian. Yeah, um, I think there was a segment uh, dedicated to uh, the samba. Yep, and in melody time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess... Disney really enjoys Brazilian music. Yep. Even now you can see Jose in modern stuff like the new Three Caballeros show and DuckTales. Mm. Yeah, of course he's part of a unit, but he's sort of like a breakout character of this, and he managed to out-troll Donald. <laughs> uh, oh, Donald. Right, but this Donald was... Can, Donald can never catch a break, and that's why we love him. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, but Disney basically made this as a travelogue when they went to neutral South America during World War II. It was sort of a peace mission, sort of an art exchange. This one's kind of good, gets the job done. Not too much bad about it, but not too much stand out. Yeah. So I'm putting this one in the okay category. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason that people don't really talk about uh, this one. And as far as the package film goes... It's not as good as Melody Time, but it's still way better than Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I'd compare it to Ichabod and Mr. Toad, though. 
Right. I put the I put them roughly on the same level. Yeah, I can I remember, see it. And that I remember liking them, but I don't remember too much specifically about them. And if you asked me to watch this or another film, I'd definitely go with another one. Specifically, oh. The Little Mermaid. Right. So, The Little Mermaid. Uh, I've heard uh, mostly good things about this. Uh, some not so good things from uh, some people. Watching yeah. it myself... I don't know what to say. This movie hit. It's everything I could have expected from a Disney movie, especially great a Disney songs. movie. Great, yeah, great, great songs, songs, great world, great characters. characters. Uh, it hits, like, it hits a range of emotions from laughing my ass off to uh, just having my heart completely shattered, and hits everything else in between. Yeah. Personally, I feel like the people who criticize the character of Ariel, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, like, like she's not just doing this for a guy. Her, her motivation is established early on. She shows an immediate fascination with the human world. And, you know, wanting to meet Prince Eric, it's not so much about wanting to meet this guy. It's about wanting to, you know, explore the world firsthand. Having this treasure trove... You know, it's a nice indirect connection to the world she wants to go to. But, you know, if she can get legs, go on land, meet this prince, she'll have a whole opportunity, a whole new world in front of her. I know yeah. this isn't the movie that has the song A Whole New World, but damn, it fits It fits so well, doesn't it? Yeah, but Ariel gets part of your world. And also, she has a lot of her stuff destroyed, so she's broken, yeah, so that, she doesn't that, just get legs like the, on a whim. The scene, where, the scene where Triton destroys her trove, that may have been the hardest that uh, any film had hit me at that point, um, until another film we watched. On, I watched on this marathon, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll uh, get there. Yeah. Um, so... For me, this almost got an S ranking from me, which is the highest that I could give anything uh, based on Japanese grading systems. Right. The only reason that it doesn't is because, uh, you know, for all the talk from this film's detractors that Ariel is incredibly shallow, I feel like that bill fits more towards the prince, at least in the first two acts. Right. I mean, he's not... Like, he's the one, like, waiting for this mysterious woman with the voice to show up. And, and Ariel's the one who saves him at the end, in yeah. a way. And, I mean, to be fair, Eric does end up saving uh, the whole kingdom by stealing yeah. the ship into Ursula's heart. So he gets, he gets his time to shine. Um, I think it's just a little bit of a shame that it doesn't come until the very last act of the film. That's really the only... The only criticism I have. And since we haven't talked about her yet, can we talk about Ursula? Oh, Ursula is really cool. She's lots of fun. Her design is awesome. Her song is my favorite in the movie. Her, her, her delivery. Just the way that she chews on the scenery and just owns every scene that she is in. She's. Yeah. A, I mean, she's not as much as a. She's not as much as a constant. A threat as someone like, say, Lady Tremaine in Cinderella, or you know, even the evil stepmother in Snow White. But the scenes that she does have, she nails. Right. 
pretty fun and, to uh, see. Uh, so, uh, you said uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls was your favorite song? Yeah, because it's just so well orchestrated, so well performed, and I like some of the wordplay that goes on. Uh, I, I don't know what I'd call my favorite song in that. That's definitely a high contender. Uh, Under the Sea, all-time classic. Uh, yep, won an Oscar for a reason. Yeah, beat out yet another film, another song from that film, uh, Kiss the Girl, which I like yep. a lot more than I expected. Uh, yeah. I do want to say the sea, the uh, when the seagull tries singing right before that, it's yeah. the sound that it most reminded me of is uh, the guitarist from the band Chicago when he implements his wah wah pedal. That's hilarious. Yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, I can't believe part of your world wasn't uh, even nominated that year, but right. And can you believe they almost cut it from the movie because they thought it dragged a little? Katzenberg noticed a kid at the test screening tipped his popcorn, but Ashman, the composer, he petitioned to keep it in because it was so important to the plot. Hmm. I, I like. Like, the opening line, look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Yeah. My, my mind immediately goes to, look at this net that I just found. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're number one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, at the time, this was uh, number one. And uh, it seems like seems like we can both agree that this movie is fantastic. Right, and also I want to say I think that Disney would have a market if they tried getting their princesses a little bit more welcoming to boys. Kind of like with bronies. Yeah. Because you see Ariel, she's nerdy, she's outgoing, she's curious, she has a lot of traits that boys can relate to and stuff. Right. It's, it's, the, pro, it's the proactivity that really sells Ariel to me. Right, the proactivity. Um, Ariel gets my approval. Same here. And uh, the scenes where she can't talk and uh, the movie has to rely on her facial animation, uh, it pulls off her curiosity just as well as when she had her voice. Ariel forgot she could run. <laughs> oh, yeah, she can write. She, she signed her name. Signed the contract. She has great feminine. But I just went to the head kid in that she was just so shocked she forgot how to write. Yeah. Uh, and that and the dinner scene where she's twirling her hair with the fork with the <laughs> kills me every time. Yeah. And like I said, this movie hits all the range of emotions. Yeah. It yeah. was called Disney's big comeback for a reason. Yeah. Uh, critical hit, financial hit. It's a, it's everything you could want, and uh, hopefully the voting reflects that. So, without further ado, <laughs> the Little Mermaid gets twelve votes. Saludos amigos gets none. It, oh, it's a clean sweep. I see. Yeah, not at all surprised. I would have expected nope. at least one vote. For Saludos Amigos, I know there is an audience that does not like this movie. I guess they just didn't show up this time. Yeah, not that I'm complaining. Yeah, would have would have won easily either way. 
because honestly, who even remembers yeah. the Ludus Amigas? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, next matchup. Mulan versus the Rescuers Down Under. This was an intriguing one to me because these two films are quite similar. They both are a lot of action set in an unorthodox setting, and they put twists on the standard Disney ideals. Right. Okay. Now, I heard you were gushing all over Mulan, so... Oh, God, I love this movie. It's got such great songs, <laughs> such great action. Yeah. It has a Murphy in a great comedic role doing what he does best. Yeah. Uh, I love love the character of Mulan. I love the arc that she goes through. Um, I like how she starts off, you know, absolutely, you know clumsy not fit to be in the army which right. to be fair is basically the rest of Li Shang's platoon when they when it yeah. starts out so we see no wonder he wanted to make a man out of him exactly i mean and we see you know the growth that not only Mulan goes through but the whole platoon as well so right like it kind of Keeps the keeps the focus on her without making it seem like she's too dominating because this is technically you know a war story, and when it comes to war stories, it's the entire squadron that really makes or breaks um, any operation. Yeah, and eat it, Pocahontas, because Mulan also somewhat based on a true story. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought uh, Mulan was just a uh, legend. I thought Mulan was always uh, fictional it, there's some historical debate but yeah the first writing kind of came through an epic poem so the jury's still out but yeah. but there is some ancient backing to this story right uh, and, uh, and again uh, if you want to market the princesses to boys this is a good this gateway this is how you do it I mean it kind of has uh Kind of has the deck stacked in favor because Mulan is acting like a bull, like a man, for yep. a good part of the movie. Uh, right. I think uh, the bathing scene was uh, just the right amount of uncomfortable and hilarious. Yeah. I never want to see another naked man again. Then they all surprise that slipped away with the G rating. Oh man. Um, I'm imagining if they would have done the, they would have done the Ren and Stimpy thing, where the man's running toward the pond and we see Ren and Stimpy nodding their heads up and down. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. And uh, remember what I was saying about how in the Little Mermaid, Triton destroying the trove was up to that point uh, the hardest that any Disney movie has hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go. What do we want? A girl worth fighting? Oh shit! Yep. That, that that's what hit me the hardest because it really it really brings you into the fact that this is a war we're fighting. I I all, get you. Like, I I feel all, that for all that talks about you know grandeur and honor. Fact of the matter is, war is not fun. It is destructive. It is deadly, and that total whiplash. That that's strong enough to kill a person because, I mean, I get the feeling that this is how you know a lot of people who actually do end up going to war. They might have some idea of what the military is like. Fight for your country, 
you know, honorable soldier. And then when they actually right. get there, it's like it's like a much stronger version of you know the Paris effect. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you get yeah. talking about. And this movie just just nails that completely. Yeah, and I hear all the kids, they're all talking about how, oh, I would want to fight in the Civil War. Oh, I would want to be a pirate. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. It's pretty brutal out there. You'd have to be prepared. If you were to talk to your ancestor who was a veteran, they would have called you a pansy. So, I think, like The Little Mermaid, this hits all of the emotional cues that I want, and it has a lot of the same character strengths. Uh, the reason I rank it higher, though, is because uh, I think the good, I think the comparison point to Prince Eric would be uh, Li Shang. And Li Shang is a much more rounded character. Much more rounded, much much more dynamic. Uh, he has an arc of his own. Just a lot more interesting than Prince Eric, and that's the main thing that gives it the edge. Right, and I have a feeling like you're going to enjoy the rest of the Disney Renaissance if these uh, two movies came through for you. I, I certainly I certainly hope so. There's a lot of hype surrounding these. I'm trying to ignore that as much as I can because I don't want to yeah. be... I don't want to be too disappointed if things... Yeah, throw all preconceptions in the trash can. Enjoy them as fresh as you can. Yes. So, yeah. So far, Mulan is my favorite. Now, Rescuers Down Under, the forgotten, the overlooked Renaissance film. It is a damn shame that its first matchup is Mulan, because this yeah. movie was way better than, it, than I expected it to be. Yeah, and going through with sequels, it's kind of interesting you're watching this before the first one because the difference is night and day. Well, I guess I guess that means it uh, doesn't matter if you watch them out of order. Right, it doesn't. This one is a lot more action-oriented. You get the mice who have their own character. The stakes are higher, and the villain is so different in his approach. Um, I actually think McLeach is one of my favorite Disney villains because he's oh, just yeah. so evil. So, yeah, yeah he's, he is just a menacing. Yeah, and also, fun fact this was the first movie to use the Caps digital system. Oh, yeah? You probably noticed how this looks a little differently from earlier Disney films. Right. That's because they integrated the digital coloring technique. And they put it up through the, the computer to add digital effects. Mm -hmm. So this movie really was able to show off the new technology. Without it, we may not have had a Toy Story or a Lion King or any oh, of God. the... Damn, this movie is more influential than I thought. Yeah, I think one of the reasons it bombed was because it wasn't a musical, so it didn't have that sort of jaw. Yeah. And it's a sequel to one of the more obscure Disney movies. Yeah. Like, people definitely have an expectation uh, when it comes to Disney movies. That expectation has definitely evolved over the years, but uh, Wrestlers yeah. Down Under doesn't really uh, fit the mold that you would think. Which is a shame. This deserves to be a lot more recognized. Uh, yeah, know, it does. The, uh, the, uh, the bird, and I'm glad it's... I don't know what kind of bird it was. Albatross. Uh, Albatross, yeah. Uh, I 
when I heard his voice, my mind immediately went to Wally Shawn, even though I knew it wasn't Wally Shawn. It's John Chandy. Same, I, I know that now, but man, Wally Shawn as Wilbur would have been perfect casting because he has all those same deliveries. But John, yeah. John Candy, you know, I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him in a heartbeat. He does a great job. I'm surprised uh, Cody doesn't get on my nerves more than he does. Yeah. As, like, he's, uh, like he's the adventurous kid, uh, fairly, uh, fairly naive, uh, kind of takes risks. Yeah, but he's he's very he's very endearing, very very in tune with uh, the Outback wildlife. Yeah, and you know he's not, you know he actually takes charge, devises the plan to escape uh, from the cages, uh, and it ends up not working because of that uh, salamander thing. I from that lizard. I really I really need to I really need to pay more attention to. The animal details, especially in a movie like this. You see, when I was a kid, I was really obsessed with animals, so I was able to identify a lot of the stuff. I see. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I did actually recognize the first ten minutes from that one time I watched it in like third grade. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty epic Disney intro. No opening number, no exposition, just whoosh, tracking yeah. shot. And like the that first scene with the golden eagle it looks amazing yeah like yeah this movie is a real technical achievement i think part of the reason it was even made because you wouldn't have expected a sequel to the obscure rescuers was mostly because it was based on a series of books and they wanted to take one of the lesser catalog and they would try and expand on that using the new technology available Right. So, yeah, um, this one doesn't rank as high as Mulan because you know it's not as epic, not as epic a story, so it can't really hit the highs. And I would respect that. Which I mean, you know, aiming high doesn't necessarily means you're gonna reach it. Mulan did. That's why it has my vote over this. But this matchup is like if in the first round you had Duke versus I don't know Villanova. Yeah. Like that's that's just that is just not fair. The first losing in the first round just because only because you're up against the bets. I mean that's that's gotta hurt. Like any other matchup they could have made it pretty far. Right. In any but, Yeah, and uh, again, Disney Renaissance continues to churn it out for you. Yes it does. Three for three so far. Let's hope the streak continues. And yep. uh so let's get on to the final voting. All right, Mulan gets 12 votes. Rescuers Down Under gets two votes. Wow, 12 seems like the magic number. Yeah. I think all three winners this all week three, got 12. All three, all three winners got 12 votes, um, but not all the losers got two. Right. So, yeah, I think it's just some of these voters just hadn't seen Saludos Amigos and just decided not to vote. Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, Snow White got a buy, so it immediately moves on to the second round. All right, so I think we'll face Mulan. Yeah, so uh, let's have a quick recap 
Um, we're completely finished with the first round in Class A. The, the yep. uh, second round matchups are now determined, and they are as follows. We've got Beauty and the Beast going up against the Emperor's New Groove. We've got Big Hero 6 going up against Moana. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph facing the Little Mermaid. And Mulan facing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And these matchups are kind of interesting because a lot of them feel complementary. Yeah. I mean, Mulan and Snow White, you got your princesses, Emperor's New Groove and Beauty and the Beast. You got the reinvention of the Disney yeah. formula. Uh, even Big Hero Six and uh, Moana. I mean, these are both these are both uh, films in the new tens coming off of the heels of much bigger, much more successful movies. Because Big Hero Six was the first one they released after Frozen, and Moana came out the same year as Zootopia. And both of them managed to be decent hits in their own right, though. Yeah, but definitely getting overshadowed by their immediate predecessors. Right. Not sure there's much of a comparison point between Wreck-It Ralph and The Little Mermaid, other than um, uh, the protagonists exploring uh, new worlds. Yeah, I was about to say that. So, yeah. Uh, this These uh, second-round matchups, they're going to be interesting. Hopefully, Don't expect them to be as lopsided this time. I, cer I certainly hope they're not. It's a, I track these votes uh, every day just to see what happens, and my expectations are always met way more than I expect. So hopefully things in the second round start to pick up and get more interesting. Yeah, get a little closer. We could see more lower seat upsets. Yeah. Well, uh, this coming week we're going to be doing uh, the first half of the first round in class B. So the matchups are as follows. We have the one seed versus the 16 seed. Fantasia versus nothing. Um, then we've got the eight seed versus the nine seed. These are the princess and the frog versus Alice in Wonderland. That's going to be a cool match because um, yeah. it's two films that are kind of on the lower known tier of Disney, but those who like them seem to really like them. Yeah, Princess and the Frog, uh, the film that killed Disney 2D animation. I kid. All right, I kid. I kid. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that did, that did really seem to be the turning point. Because uh, yeah. apparently Princess and the Frog didn't do so hot. I guess that's what happens when you release it the same weekend as Avatar. Yeah. Uh, and the film right after that was Tangled. That was a big hit. Yep. Tides, tides were definitely changing. Um, at the turn of the decade. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, the 5 seed versus the 12 seed, we've got Lady and the Tramp against Treasure Planet. Um, I've heard... Uh, I released a status on DeviantArt the, uh, a couple weeks back asking people you know, what their favorite uh, animated Disney sequence was, and I think Carrick said it was one from Treasure Planet. Yeah, it is a pretty interesting movie, and I'm surprised Disney hasn't... No, actually, few other animations have actually done steampunk before. Yeah. Like, Treasure Planet, like, that that wasn't a big hit, but, you know, kind of like uh, the other two in the previous matchup, those who like it really like it. 
Yeah, but I'll have a lot more to say about Treasure Planet and what it could have led to next week. I'm looking forward to it. All right, and uh, the final matchup for next week, we've got the 4 seed versus the 13 seed, 101 Dalmatians versus Pocahontas. Okay. uh, Pocahontas is going to be um, an interesting one. Yeah, you see, you're really a Renaissance fan, but Pocahontas is considered the weakest of that era. So I've been told. Yeah, but I've met people who seem to enjoy it, and it does have its moments. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, obviously there's a whole lot of baggage uh, surrounding that film that hopefully I'll have a lot more context on when I actually watch it. This is not the kind of thing that I want to talk about without having seen it myself. I'll just leave it at that. Right. We'll both be better prepared next week. Yeah. Uh, the only the only real experience I have with Pocahontas is when uh, my older brother was in my elementary school's production when he was in fifth grade, playing a fairly, mi- fairly minor role, but uh, that did mean I have to go see it. So don't remember... Don't really remember a whole lot about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it for uh, next week. Got some interesting right. matchups. See you next week. Take care, everybody. See ya. Uh. <laughs>